You're listening to the Touch Em Up podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and on our next episode, we're going to be discussing all MMA, and it's going to be the huge UFC 238 card taking place next Saturday. What is it? Next Saturday, June 8th, from United Center in Chicago, Illinois. So let's get it started and step into the ring, or the octagon in this case. So yeah, a huge card. One of the best cards top to bottom that the UFC's put on in a really long time. I'd say probably since, let's see, I thought UFC 225, which was actually in Chicago again, was one of the best cards top to bottom. And 236 was great as well, but I think this... This might top a lot of them. It's not, you know, huge names. I mean, there's a couple huge names on here, but it's it's more quality of the fights and who's fighting each other. It's a lot of top contenders, some up-and-comers as well, so it should be great. And when we're actually going to do some prelims on this. It's probably going to be a two-part episode because I have a lot I need to talk about. But we're going to get into it, so let's get this started and not waste any more time. First fight I want to talk about is in the featherweight division. We're going to have Ricardo the Bully Lamas versus Kelvin Cater. Um, Ricardo Lamas holds a record of 19 wins, 7 losses. Uh, Chicago, Illinois native. Kelvin Cater holds a record of 19 wins and 3 losses. This is just going to be a, a great fight. You got two guys who will not quit. You've got Kelvin Cater who's more of a technical He's more of a technical tie style of striker. You know, he's very patient and he'll keep his hands up and fake and faint in order to get your get off some technical shots. He'll use ones like jabs and crosses, a, few, a lot of leg kicks, and just try to keep you at a distance so he can get off this crisp boxing. Then you've got Ricardo the Bully Lamas. Last fight, he ended up beating Darren Elkins, another guy from, from close to the Chicago area. He had that terrible knockout he suffered to Josh Emmett. Where he got hit with a left hook and it looked like he just died. I mean, he got hit and lights went out in Georgia. So this is going to be a good fight. It, if Ricardo Lamas wants to win, I think he might have to rely a little bit more heavily on his wrestling. You know, Kelvin Cater is a decent wrestler, but he's he's much more of a, his bread and butter is, you know, technical fundamental striking. It's nothing flashy. He won't do like spinning roundhouse kicks or flying knees. It's all technical, fundamental strikes, you know, jab, cross, hook, uppercut, some leg kicks if he needs to. But he's more of a boxer. He's, you know, he's he's very technical and he's very patient. You know, he's super patient in the way that he fights. He'll wait for you to make a mistake and then he'll counter off of your mistakes. So I'd call him a counter striker. He beat Chris Fish Chris Fishgold in his last fight by a first round TKO, and then before that. He ended up suffering a loss to Hanato Moicano, and Moicano was able to just keep him at bay with leg kicks. And just honestly, that was the story of the fight. Uh, same card when Iaquinta fought Khabib, but he was just able to keep him away with leg kicks and jabs and crosses and just keep him away from him and get a three round decision. Tenderized his leg. If I'm going to lean towards who's going to win in this fight, you know, it is in Chicago, so I think Lamas, he always comes to fight, but I think he'll have a little bit of extra oomph on him this time. But I'm going to go with Kelvin Cater. I think Cater's just too technical and too smart to get engaged into a brawl with Ricardo Lamas. I think he lands technical strikes and gets out of the way whenever Lamas throws his shots. And I'm sure Lamas will land. He always does. 
but I think Cal- if Calvin Cater gets a three-round unanimous decision over Ricardo Lamas. That's going to be a, a great fight, though. Please, you got to tune in for that one. Next prelim I want to talk about is going to be Tatiana Suarez, the female Khabib versus Nina Ansaroff. You know, I didn't really know. Like, I thought Nina Ansaroff was on a, a bunch of losses. And then I looked, I looked it up before I did this podcast, and I was like, you know what? She's on a little bit of a roll. She beat Alexa Grasso, I think, or maybe that was Tatiana. I know she beat Claudia Gadelia. Oh, was, that's who it was. It was. So she beat Random Marcos by decision, and then she beat Claudia Gadelia at UFC 231 by a unanimous decision again. Those are two very tough opponents in the strawweight division. You know, Nina Ansaroff, her wife, Amanda Nunes, obviously, is the double champ, the champ champ at 135 and 145 for the women after she ran through Chris Cyborg. But Tatiana Suarez, her grappling and ground and pound is on another level. If she gets you down and gets you and controls you, she's going to pound your face into the mat. She's not going to hold you for position. She's going to mount you or get you in half guard, control you, and just land bombs on you. Just throw heavy, heavy shots. That's why they call her the female Khabib because if she gets you down, it's game over and you really can't do anything about it. Suarez is undefeated. She holds a record of 7-0. and Nina Ansaroff has a record of 10 wins and 5 losses. You know, like I said, not the greatest record. She had a little bit of a rough patch when she first started. But she's, you know, found her groove after training with Amanda Nunes and really, you know, had a coming out party. I'm going to say Suarez gets this done, and I think she does it quite easily. I know Nina Ansaroff is tough, but I feel like Suarez just clinches her, gets the grab, gets the takedown, controls her in half guard and full mount, maybe even side control, and just lands bombs on her. I'm going to say she gets a second round TKO, just accumulation of damage and just heavy, heavy shots. And Tatiana Suarez is a bad, she's a, that's a bad girl right there. You got to watch out for her. She could be the next strawweight champion. Up next, we got a good fight, a really, really good fight. I'm actually surprised this didn't make the main card over the Tuivasa and Blagov Ivanov, Blagov Ivanov fight. But we got the Funk Master, Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro, the young Punisher Munoz. Two of the top guys at 135 pounds, top five contenders. You know, the next person, the person who wins this fight could is probably going to be the next get the next title shot over the winner in the main event especially after what happened to TJ Dillashaw with him popping for EPO. I'm not going to get into that. I went into that. I believe it was on the second or third episode of my podcast. And I just, I don't respect them for doing that. You know, if you're injecting it, you're doing it at your own will. So deal with the consequences and I'm sure it'll come back strong. But anyway, the funk master, Aljamain Sterling has a record of 17 wins and three losses. He's coming off of a win over Jimmy Rivera, where he just, basically controlled him and dominated him for the full 15 minutes. Rivera didn't really get anything off. It was just a one-sided one-sided clinic from the Spunk Master. Pedro Munoz uh, coming off wins over, if I want to say he knocked out Brian Caraway. I believe it was with an uppercut. If, if I'm wrong, you know, forgive me, but I remember seeing that fight. He landed an uppercut on Brian Caraway and put him to sleep. And then just recently at UFC 235, he beat the former bantamweight champion, Cody Nolov Garbrandt. Again, I think Garbrandt could have easily won that fight if he would have just played his cards right and, you know, fought technical and smooth like he did against Cody or against Dominic Cruz. 
But we've been over this, and it's the same song and dance. He gets hit, and he wants to kill you, and that's his downfall. And Munoz was able to take care of that. He landed. He got hit with a flying knee, and then he landed three overhand rights when in a in a crazy exchange and knocked out Cody Garbrandt because Garbrandt just stood in front of him and traded. But I like Pedro Munoz. He His striking's coming along, and he's got very, very, very solid leg kicks. He used them against Garbrandt, and you could see, you know, after two or three of those, it was starting to deaden Garbrandt's lead leg. And he's also a very good grappler. If he gets you on the ground, it's a problem. But Aljamain Sterling is a great grappler as well. And I I actually want to see how a grappling match between Sterling and Munoz goes. You know, I'm sure it'll go to the mat. It might stay on the feet, but I'm going to say there is going to be a lot of grappling. And I feel like they might cancel each other out in this. This is a really tough fight to call. I have no idea. (laughs) I I looked at this fight and I'm super excited because I'm going to be there in person. But I'm just, it's so hard. I've been going back and forth. But I'm going to say... I'm going to say Sterling gets a decision. I think he's more active. You know, Sterling isn't the most technical striker or anything like that on the ground. You know, he's world-class technical on the on the ground with his jiu-jitsu and his wrestling. But on the feet, he does leave himself open. But I feel like that's what brings him to success. He's not he's not the, the everyday normal striker that we normally see. He throws some wild shots, you know, uses a lot of funky movements. That's why they call him the funk master. And he uses his striking to set up his takedowns and his grappling. You know, uh, the human backpack, (laughs) as he likes to call himself. Yeah, I'm going to say Aljamain just is able to grind out a split decision over Pedro Munoz. I could see it going either way. I could see Munoz winning, but I see it going to decision and Aljamain gets the win. So let's move on to the main card. I want to start with the first fight on the main card. We've got Tai Tuivasa versus Blagoj Ivanov. Uh, Tuivasa holds a record of eight wins and one loss, coming off a TKO or a knockout from Junior Dos Santos. And then you've got Blagoj Ivanov with 17 wins and two losses, beat Junior Dos Santos in a, in a decision, and then ended up losing a decision to... Ben Rothwell, yeah, I think he lost the decision to Ben Rothwell in his last fight. I'm not really interested in this fight at all. I like Tai Tuivasa. I think, you know, he's he's super funny. And I'm going to go with him. I feel like he's going to knock out Blagoj Ivanov in the first round. I just think he's got too much power, and he's too much of a heady, heavy hitter for Blagoj to handle. And, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on this fight, like I said. So that's it. Tuivasa first round knockout. Next fight, another one in the bantamweight division between Jimmy Altera Rivera and Piotr Jan. Uh, Rivera holds a record of 22 wins and three losses. Piotr has a record of 12 wins and one loss. Coming off a win over John Dotson, I believe. He got a, he got a decision over John Dotson. You know, I'm not super familiar with Piotr Jan. I know he trains at uh, Tiger Muay Thai. I think I've seen a couple of his couple of his training highlights, you know, with I think Adesanya and Dan Hooker also, you know, train out there a little bit whenever they get the chance. But Piotr Jan is a great technical striker. You know, he he's one of those guys, fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. I always say, you know, I've trained martial arts my whole life. And, you know, the flashy stuff is cool. You know, you want people to see it. But sticking to your fundamentals and the basics, the bread and butter, 
is usually what gets you the win. It's not the flashy strikes. And if it is, it's because you set it up with the fundamentals. But Pedro Munoz again. Or what am I saying, Pedro Munoz? I'm going back to the prelims. Forgive me. (laughs) Um, Jimmy Rivera coming off two tough losses. He did beat John Dotson in a split decision. It's just like Piotr Jan. But I don't know. This is a tough fight because I don't know what, what Rivera we're going to see. You know, if Rivera's on, he's great. You can you saw that in his fight against the California kid Uriah Faber where he just he just controlled the fight for 15 minutes and didn't really allow Faber to get anything off. And when he's on, like I said, it, he's tough to beat. But if he's off, like he's been recently, he just hasn't found his groove. And I don't think he finds it here either. I'd like to see him get the win, but I think Piotr ends up TKOing him in the third round. I'm not too familiar with Piotrion, like I said, but I think he's technical enough and patient enough to get the KO over P- over Jimmy Rivera. I think Jimmy Rivera needs this win. If he loses this one, I don't know where he goes from here. So maybe Rivera comes out with a with a purpose and actually gets the win. But I'm gonna go with Piotrion. And up next, we've got the people's main event of 238. Tony Kakui Ferguson versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone in the lightweight division. Again, this could be a number one contender fight. I know you've got Justin Gaethje waiting in the wings for his next fight, but I think he's going to get McGregor when McGregor comes back in the fall. Or he could get the winner of this fight, honestly, if they don't have anybody for Khabib to fight right after right after he fights Dustin Poirier or the winner of the Poirier and Khabib fight, the, the winner of this could get a win, could get the next title shot or they give it to Gaethje. But I think Gaethje gets McGregor. That's a scary fight, but I'm all for it. So, yeah, let's go over uh, Tony Ferguson's record. I believe he has a record of 24 wins and three losses. And Donald Cerrone is 34-11, and 11, I believe. Something like that. If not, forgive me, but I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in that area. You know what? No, because he's on a streak right now. He beat Alexander Hernandez, Ally Quinta, Mike Perry. So let me see. I think he's 36 and 11. Yeah, 36 and 11. And Tony Ferguson, 24 wins and three losses. Ferguson coming off a victory over Anthony Pettis in that crazy war of a, at UFC 229. Donald Cerrone, again, coming off three wins against Iaquinta. Crazy clinic performance. Probably the best we've ever seen Cerrone look. Also beating Alexander Hernandez, just putting a whooping on that kid. And then submitting Mike Perry with that arm bar. You know, dad bod Donald Cerrone is not to be fucked with. Cerrone is on a whole other level right now. But I think Ferguson comes back looking to make a statement. But who knows where Ferguson is mentally? You know, he had... The whole thing with the restraining order for his son and his wife and just mental health issues. So who knows? You know, Ferguson might be a little cloudy in this fight. And when it comes down to seeing how I could see this fight playing out. So there's if Ferguson wants to win, he's going to have to pressure Donald Cerrone, which he always does. He pressures everybody. He's got cardio for days, fantastic jujitsu on the ground. I would like to say I want to see Sir Ferguson and Cerrone get into a grappling match. But I think it'll be, you know, entertaining in the beginning, but I think Ferguson is just too tricky for Donald Cerrone on the ground. 
on the feet, I think Cerrone can get the job done against Tony Ferguson. Ferguson leaves himself open a lot. Cerrone does too, but I feel like Cerrone's more technical and he has better Muay Thai and, and kicks. You know, his kicking game is what's going to be the difference against Tony Ferguson. If he goes in there and tries to box and, you know, exchange in the clinch, it's Ferguson's fight to win all day. But if he keeps it at a distance and lands a lot of leg kicks and body kicks and head kicks like he did against Ally Quinta, that is a tough fight for Tony Ferguson, especially after that knee injury that he had for his ACL. You saw how the leg kicks gave him trouble against Anthony Pettis and, you know, two or three leg kicks and he was already limping. And I think if, if Cerrone can stick to his leg kicks and, you know, traditional Muay Thai type of striking and kickboxing, he can, he can beat Tony Ferguson. It's a super tough fight to call. It is, it is the people's main event. Um, if Ferguson wants to win, his key is going to be pressure. He's got to pressure Donald Cerrone and just make it an ugly fight. Maybe take it to the ground and get a submission. I don't see him submitting Donald Cerrone, though. I know I'm going to go with Donald Cerrone in this fight. I think he's on another level right now. This is going to be a super tough fight. But I think he gets a decision over Tony Ferguson. Like I said, the Cerrone we've seen lately, and especially against Ally Quinta, was the best Donald Cerrone we've ever seen. He put it all together. He does have a tendency to, you know, not be able to defend shots well. His his defense isn't there, but when he's on his offense and he's in his groove, nobody beats Cowboy Cerrone. And you know that if you're a huge fan of MMA. But yeah, I think Cerrone gets it done by unanimous decision. No, you know what? I'm going to say split decision. I think Ferguson obviously is going to put up a good fight. Probably went around in there. Could go either way. I'm not surprised either way it goes. But I'm going to say Donald Cerrone gets it done by split decision. And we've got a new contender. And maybe we get Cerrone versus McGregor or Cerrone versus Khabib. Now we go to the co-main event of the evening for the women's 125-pound flyweight championship. We've got... The bullet, Valentina Shevchenko, defending her title against Jessica Evil Eye, another Chicago native. And honestly, I want to say I see, I think Jessica Eye is super tough. Don't get me wrong. She's gritty. When she's on, she's on and she's tough to beat her. But I don't see her giving Valentina a tough fight at all. And I know some people are going to be like, oh, Jessica I, you know, she's going to beat, beat Valentina. She's going to, she's in her groove now. I just see Valentina controlling this fight for two rounds with her technical Muay Thai and, you know, her her light on the lead leg type of style and, you know, landing some body shots and some rear leg kicks. I feel like her inside leg kick is going to be the key. She's going to keep hitting inside leg kicks. And that check hook from Valentina Shevchenko out of Southpaw is almost how she go, leads to victory in all of her fights. And, you know, I know Jessica is a great grappler. You know, that's one of the things she's known for is her wrestling and her grappling. But if you watch Valentina's fight against Joanna Yunjacek, she doesn't wrestle with, like, double legs and single leg takedowns, but she will trip you from the clinch, inside trips, outside trips. And she's got great control in the clinch. And I think that's where she beats her. I feel like Valentina keeps her at a distance with – with her Muay Thai strike, with her striking. And then if if Jessica I is able to get in, she gets tripped and taken down to the ground. And I think Valentina Shevchenko gets a third round TKO over Jessica I defending her women's flyweight championship. Now we go to the main event, the big boy on the card 
for the vacant bantamweight championship at 135 pounds. We've got the current flyweight champion, Henry the Messenger Cejudo versus Magic Marlon Marias. And Henry Cejudo, again, after that loss to Demetrius Johnson in their first fight, he just came out like a house of fire. He was able to develop very, very good striking. His right hand is a piston. I mean, you don't even see that thing coming. It comes straight down the center, and it catches you. Again, an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling. So you cannot grapple with Henry Cejudo at all. Marlon Marias, you know, lost his first fight to Rafael Asuncao and then just woke up. He had a he had a somewhat lackluster showing against John Dotson. And then after that, it was just finish after finish after finish, knocking out Aljamain Sterling with that freaking crazy switch kick to the face after when Aljamain went for a takedown. It was more of a knee because he wasn't able to fully extend it, but knocked him into next week. Then knocking out Jimmy Rivera in the first round again with a switch kick to the head. Jimmy Rivera didn't even see it coming. And then facing Rafael Asuncao trying to avenge his loss and dropping him after two overhand rights and then securing a Armin-mounted guillotine for the victory. Oh, this is such a tough fight because I counted out Henry Cejudo in his fight against TJ Dillashaw. I, I knew he probably could get it done, but I thought that TJ was going to come in looking great, having really good fundamental striking. But then I thought, like, you know, the weight cut. I think he took this weight cut too scientifically. I feel like he, he drew it out too long, and that was maybe part of the reason he lost. But, you know, Cejudo knocked the juice out of that boy. So how do I see this fight going? So the key for Henry Cejudo is going to be getting in the clinch against Marlon Marias, and he has good enough striking to get it there. And, you know, who is the faster fighter between Marlon Marias and Henry Cejudo? That's a really tough thing to call because I would say Marlon, based on him, I feel like Marlon has faster kicks, but the punches and might go to Henry Cejudo. But, you know, if Henry gets it in the clinch, he's going to go for that over-under inside reap trip that he goes for against everybody. He did it against DJ when he took the title off him. He does it in every one of his fights. If he gets in the clinch, it's just an inside reap to take you down. And it works for him all the time. That's his bread and butter type of takedown. He doesn't really go for double legs. He will go for single legs every once in a while. But that inside reap from the clinch is how he gets mostly everybody to the ground and controls you from there. Marlon Marias, great kickboxer and striker, deadly. His Everything is deadly, his punches, but his kicks especially. If he goes for that lead switch kick and it lands, it's, it's lights out. And you've seen it because he's used it in two of his last three victories and got knockouts in the first round with both of them. But I feel like I feel like this is where Henry Cejudo meets his match. I think Marlon is too experienced to get to get caught up in Henry Cejudo's game. I feel like he'll keep him away with his jab and his footwork. You know, Marlon Marias trains with Mark Henry, and he does have he does have that Frankie Edgar type of style where it's a lot of it's a lot of footwork and a lot of in and out movement, and he uses his jabs to set up his his. Uh, and a lot of angles to set up his strikes. And I feel like Henry Cejudo isn't used to that. You know, DJ did use it a little bit, but not too much in their fight. But he did beat Demetrius Johnson, so you have to give him credit there. And TJ Dillashaw, that's no joke. He beat the entire super fight out of the flyweight division. But yeah, I think Marlon is going to be able to keep 
Cejudo at a distance. But here's the thing. He can, he can go for leg kicks because he has a great leg kicking game. But you got to be selective with your shots because I feel like Henry can easily catch his kicks or time it and go for a trip and grab the clinch and then control him on the ground. But I think Marlon does get up to his feet. This is going to be a dog fight. You know, every, both, both these guys are going to come in looking to, looking to make a claim at 135 pounds. And I think Marlon just gets it done. You know, even on the ground, you know, Cejudo is going to be good at getting him to the ground, but Marlon Marais jiu-jitsu is no joke. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. His guillotine is otherworldly. You know, he did make John Dotson submit, but it was after the bell. And then that Armin guillotine that he mounted, Rafael Asuncao with against the fence worked out very well. But yeah, I've said it multiple times now. I think this is where Henry Cejudo meets his match. And I think Marlon Marais, I think it's close for two rounds. I think they're going to feel each other out. But you know, with Marlon, you never know. And especially with Henry after he knocked out TJ Dillashaw. But I'm going to say Marlon Marais gets a, gets a knockout in the third round via switch kick to the head. I think that's his bread and butter. Nobody can see it coming. And I think he knocks out Henry Cejudo and becomes the new 135-pound champion, and then goes on to face. I don't think he gets Aljamain Sterling in a rematch right away. Maybe they give Aljamain to Cody Garbrandt. I don't know if I agree with that just because of how much of a rough patch he's been on lately, but I love Cody, so I won't be against it at all. So maybe Marlon waits for the next challenger until the winner of Rivera, or the winner of Aljamain and Munoz fights. What's it's called? What's it called? Um, Cody Garbrandt. So yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. I covered a lot. We had a lot of fights to go over. It's all MMA. So my MMA fans out there, I got you. I did all wrestling last time. So I wanted to give the MMA fans a deep dive. I will do an analysis on some of the fights on this card because I feel like there's going to be a lot of technical things to break down. So that's going to be it. I hope you enjoy the fight coming up a week from Saturday. And I know I'm going to enjoy it. I'll give a review maybe, like I said, on my next episode. But, yeah, I'm Double M, and I'm out, guys. All right, have a good night.